Hi, I'm Chris Lamont, New South Wales All Business Commissioner, and welcome to Talking Business. Today I'm speaking with Marianne Kinzor, Head of the Refrigerated Warehouse and Transport Association of Australia. Australia's system of refrigerated warehousing and transport, also known as the cold chain, is essential to the operation of many small businesses. From the local cafe that puts milk in your morning coffee, to the fisher person who relies on getting the catch to the market on time. It's one of those key industries that keeps us caffeinated and fed, and in a broader sense, is so vitally important to our economy. It is also an industry that many of us may not have been overly familiar with, but knowing how important it is to small businesses across New South Wales, I wanted to ask Marianne about how the cold chain industry operates and the challenges and opportunities she sees ahead. Welcome to Talking Business, Marianne. Thank you for having me, Chris. Look, can we start from the beginning, a bit of an overview of the size and the complexity of the Australian cold chain industry, and I guess some practical examples of how it supports businesses, particularly small businesses. For sure. Uh, To give you a bit of an idea, this is a sector that sits in between that which is well known, which is the producers of the food, so farms and meat and fish, and those that we're very familiar with, uh, Woolworths and Coles, Aldi, uh, and any shop that you buy food from. The cold chain sits in between. So it's the storage warehouses and transport of that food from one to the other. So most people would be unaware and are unaware of, if I said Lineage Logistics or Americold, uh, New Cold, Sands Fridge Lines, um, you, you may not have heard of them before, but they're certainly out there and they provide confidence in food quality every day. Uh, as far as, you, you know, you mentioned the size and how big are we, you know, where, where do we sit? Um, there's about 4.5 million cubic metres of warehouse space. Uh, the cold storage in Australia is worth well over $5 billion dollars. There are in excess of 60 temperature-controlled warehouses across Australia. That's mostly the large ones. There's certainly smaller family-owned ones, which uh, you know we're talking about today. Uh, member companies of the RWTA employ more than 230,000 people. So 70% of those are full-time and 30% are part-time employees. So more than 23 million tonnes of produce that pass along Australia's food cold chain every year. It's worth... Uh, 45 billion at farm gate value and new facilities are being built presently around Australia um, and two of them are worth in excess of 400 million dollars so it gives an idea of the size and the capacity doesn't it so it's it's uh, it's a big industry supporting all of Australia and presumably our exports as well absolutely yeah for sure so in your role at, at RWTA um, uh, can you give us a bit of a nutshell about what you do and, and the type of interactions that you have with your members? Sure. I started with the RWTA as the executive officer five years ago and have enjoyed it enormously ever since. It's, um, it's a generalist position, I like to say, because there's a thousand things that you have to be across and that you have to solve on behalf of the industry. They engage, so the, the membership engage really well with the RWTA. We do a lot of different things to to make sure that people get together. They have that opportunity. So we have networking events. 
So, for instance, we've got uh, the Queensland Golf Day coming up on the 5th of June. We've got a Sydney networking event regarding AI and chat GPT in Sydney on the 14th of June. We hold ammonia emergency management training. So for those that um, are working in a cold chain facility that holds more than 900 kilos of ammonia, for instance, there needs to be two chem suits. And quite often people don't know how to use the chem suits. So it's the only nationally accredited ammonia training in Australia bar none. And that's something that we created for the cold chain because it was uh, a gaping hole. Probably our biggest and most and well most well attended um, event is in August. We do that in August. We go from Queensland to New South Wales, back to Queensland, back to Victoria and backward and forward. But that's our conference. So with it's our 81st conference and exhibition at the QT Gold Coast this year. And we get um, about 120, 150 people. And they come from obviously all over Australia, but also Dubai, South Africa, the UK, US, New Zealand, Asia. Uh, so there's a lot of interest. Um, and we try and get, ensure that, that we have really good quality speakers, um, great networking events. And of course, the Gold Coast um, is set to impress in August this year. Still in uh, well, the end of tail end of winter, that'll always be popular, uh, a conference <laughs> in the Gold Coast. Um, yes. As an advocate for the industry, Marianne, you know, what are your key priorities at the moment? We hear a lot about cost of living and skill shortages. Um, I, I imagine cost of fuel and certainly electricity uh, costs would also be an issue for your industry. Absolutely. So labour... Um, is always our number one. So that's the biggest cost that any business will have. Um, power, energy is uh, a huge cost increase. We're, we're all hearing that we've got you know twenty five percent increases coming up on the first of of July, which is a bit distressing. And the cost of capital, um, you know, buying kit is is very difficult because obviously post COVID, trying to get um, let's say materials handling uh, and other equipment from overseas is delayed. So having the cost of energy um, increasing and think of a cold storage facility, these are a huge, some of these places will spend 300000 a month across Australia, some of these companies. Now, if that's going to go up by 25%, that's a problem. Uh, we need to stabilise costs because there is no stabilisation at the present time, so that's a problem. Yeah. And what that means is that food, food prices are going to increase because as our costs go up, we have to pass them on. And the you know as far as inflation goes, in respect to wages and power prices, we have to pass those prices on to every Australian. And people are struggling already. If you have a look at food bank, uh, so say last November, 2 million out of 26 million Australians are food insecure. And that means that kids are going to school without breakfast in their bellies. They don't have lunches packed for them. Parents go for a day at a time without eating so that their children can. This is this is concerning. Mm-hmm. Just you mentioned the school shortages, um, I guess, Many people might have an image of uh, a bunch of old blokes in trucks 
driving around to warehouses. I suspect that may be part of the story, but uh, the industry in its broader sense would have you know, warehousing logistics experts um, to keep it moving. Can you talk a bit more about what you think the skills of demand and the skills of the future might look like uh, in your industry? You've nailed it with the truck driver. So the average age presently of a truck driver is 57. And it's a difficult job that isn't necessarily, it doesn't matter to a degree how much you're paying. It's not a popular job these days. Days away from their families, working alone, um, it's a difficult job. And just while we're on that particular topic in warehouses, and it's always been the issue, but it's not a comfortable job. You know, you're working in minus 14 degrees, minus 30 degrees plus or less than that, so 35 at a blast. Um, so it's difficult to get people who are keen to do, you know, the, the heavy work. Obviously, there's been a lot of um, assistance as far as, you know, a, materials handling so women are coming into the industry because it's not as heavy work um, they have heated cabins in their equipment um, no need to carry large boxes and they've got terrific protective wear but it's still difficult and I think truck drivers are our biggest issue you know we really need uh, for several reasons so you need to be it depends on the state it just depends on the state that you're in you could be 22 or 24 before you can get a license to drive a heavy vehicle. So as far as career choices go, um, you're unable to recruit young people. So by the time they get to that age, quite often they've chosen a path they wish to walk down. So that's that's a bit of an issue there. There's a lot of red tape um, and licensing requirements per state. So I don't think that helps. It really doesn't. Is that, is that why there's a focus on AI, do you think? I don't think AI is going to take over, but it's it's part of the industry trying to find solutions. And um, another solution is an apprenticeship for truck drivers where they need, where they can start a little bit younger and they go through a few years. But again, it's been sent to the, the states and so each state may be somewhat different because driving in Queensland is different to driving in Western Australia. It's different to, to drive um, in the outback than it is around Melbourne. You know, there's, there's different skills that are required. But there's a lot of work being put in, uh, but also I guess we're, we're still meeting a lot of people from overseas and um, you know, there's, it's ongoing. So, so how can government policy assist your industry um, or perhaps the businesses that rely upon your industry? I think stabilising costs, um, yeah. and that can be, as you mentioned, you know, there's, there's power, there's labour, there's uh, cost of capital, fuel, um, and this is, it's unstable. And so tam in taming the inflation tiger is, is a priority, obviously, for your members. Perhaps, and you know, perhaps there's rebates that are offered. Perhaps there's solutions so that the you know we've had um, Scotts RL back in February March go under. That's the largest cold chain transport company in Australia go under. That that didn't feel good 
that's that was um, concerning. And obviously, the customers that were reliant on them had to find very, very quickly because it was one day to the next. They had to find a solution. Where do we put our frozen goods? Who's going to transport it? And now that we've had hundreds of people overnight put out of work, who's going to do the work? Mm-hmm. So some assistance would be super. It really would. Um and, and just, that, on, just on the exporting for a second, so does your industry look at or does it involve also the export of goods, uh, presumably refrigerated goods overseas? Is that is that something that you look at as well? Uh, that is part. Uh, we concentrate mainly, uh, you know, as far as the confidence in food quality every day, we concentrate within Australia. But yes, there is um, export. So we've got, we're certainly the lucky country. We have more food in Australia than we need, which is terrific. And so we have the the opportunity to export that food. So, you know, part of that, I mean, as far as red tape, if you're asking how, how can how can the government help, licensing requirements within cold storage cold storage includes fish licenses, dairy, poultry, meat, and those licenses differ federally, state, internationally, and those, and that also applies to audits. So it's a distraction and it's an extra cost and um, it takes time to get all so that together. So a harmonisation across all states under a, under a federal set of rules and procedures could be a good thing. Absolutely. So three levels of government to standardise the licensing and quality assurance would be super. That would be very helpful. Marianne, for those who are interested in, in more about uh, your industry, wh- wh- where can they go? How do they find out more about what happens? Just so, I guess, so they understand how it works and if they're a business that relies upon the services of your members, that they understand a little bit more about how it may integrate with their operations and what they potentially can do or be mindful of when ordering or considering uh, operations in their in their business. Uh, www rwta.com.au. So um, everything they need to know from there. Pretty much, um, and I don't say that flippantly because I do get a lot of uh, different companies, people, individuals um, coming to the RWTA, and I push them in the right direction. So it's finding out what do they need, uh, doing the the groundwork for them, and making sure that they do have the people that they can speak to that will solve their problems from you know internal issues like you know I need space, which I've had a couple of calls about that this morning. Sydney, New South Wales, there is very, very limited space. So they're at 120% capacity. Um, and that, that creates some some issues as well because um, you're trying to get extra food in. Uh, where does that get stored? So Just just on that point, where yeah. is the additional space being created? What are you seeing? Is it more of a regional push? Because I presumably the cost of land is, is cheaper and regional areas? Sure. So look, at the moment, as of today, um, Katoomba, Blaney are about the only places that I'm aware of that may have some space. Um, There might be the odd 300 pallet in Chiller that's available. Um, And that's, again, that's fresh from this morning's um, information. So that sort of information I get out pretty quickly to see if we can fill that space because... um, you know, being at 100% capacity is not such a bad problem for our guys. Yeah. But uh, I did mention before that you know $400 million worth of 
new facilities are being built around Australia. One of those is in Sydney, out in the yeah. western suburbs, and the other is in Victoria. Um, it's space. You know, we need extra space, and that's land. Yeah, well, it's such an essential industry. Marianne, thank you for your time today. I really appreciated that and uh, look forward to continuing our discussions on how we address some of the fundamental challenges in an industry that is so vital to our economy and, let's be honest, our, our stomachs and our, our way of life. Absolutely, and thank you so much for, for taking the time to speak with me. Pleasure. I'm Chris Lamont. Thanks for listening. We'll return soon with another episode of Talking Business. 